with everyone today. Let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord? Lord, we lift you up in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you, oh God. Hallelujah. Put our hands together. You give me joy. You give me life. You give me strength to stand in the what I see, showing the world how to worship a a child who begs your name, and now with every day, let my life proclaim what I see, I worship my King, Lord we bless you in this place, we magnify all my heart, all my strength, with all that God has given me, this is how I worship my King. Oh, with all my heart, all my strength, with all that A child who bears your name. Now we 
shows I'm living like a child who bears your name. Now with every day, let my life proclaim what I see. I worship my King. Worship my King. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise, church. Bless you, Lord. We praise you with all that's within us. We lift you and magnify your holy name. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you, Lord King. Hallelujah. We bless your name, O oh God. How we lift you up. How we magnify you, O oh Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. Yes, you are good, you're good.
You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. of the Lord today. Man, half of you are still asleep. I will dunk you under this water back here so fast and wake you up. I'm going to need council members to get some to start splashing on people throughout the congregation. <laughs> I'm going to make a few announcements before I get into the word this morning. Um, uh, so we are planning to have baptism today as long as uh, folks are wanting to be baptized. I did my part. I got the water ran and it's warm which is a plus for everybody. I remember the good old days when we went, went down to the river, but we have heaters now and for water, so we use those. So uh, as long as everybody's here, I see some coming in now for that. And so there's going to be more today, so we're excited about that. So if you want to be baptized today, it's going to be towards the close of our service. And uh, also the 2021 year-to-date reports, that's for the members and our tithe payers or givers of the church. As you're walking uh, out of the foyer today, the back door's there. Actually, the front doors, I guess you could call it. But you will pick up a copy of the report, if you would like, from the information baskets at the foyer entrance. They're hanging on the wall, and they're back there. Just go ahead and grab you one. Thank you for $395,848.42 for the giving year of 20 through 2021. Can we give God praise for that? So thank you for your continued giving. Right below there, I don't talk about it much, but right below there, there's two gold baskets. Those are there for your tithes and your offerings. You can also give online. Also, don't forget, you can look up Gap Hill COG in the app store and pull up our app there. And it gives you a little information. Also, a place that you can just hit giving there and do it right there online if you'd like to. As I said, baptism is going to be near the close of our service. Uh, also, the fall festival coming up on 10-24-21. Registration will begin at 5 o'clock that afternoon, so be sure to be here for that. 
I think they're having hay rides. I'm not even sure what all they're doing, but they're going to have a lot of games and different things going on. And so thanks to all those that are helping to make that possible. I also want to make mention, um, I missed her last week. Shana's um, baby was here. Is she, not, is she here today? She's not here. Well, that's Charlie and Marie. And I'm reminding when she's here next time because she is a precious thing. So I wanted the church to see her. But it is good to have David and Michaela Lyles today. It's their first time being back with us. Can we give them a hand clap? Good to see you guys. And I'm Michaela. Uh, and he got married just a little while back. And so we give you guys blessings today. Good to see you. I also have a few uh, requests. Scott Stone had surgery this past week. Continue to pray for him. Also for Art's brother, Alvin O'Shields, has cancer in need of prayer. Uh, I see Mike was able to come today. Continue prayers for healing. Uh, also for Olin Thompson. Talked with Olin just yesterday. And um, his oxygen's giving him some issues. They were talking about sending him home, but his oxygen got to acting up a little bit. So we need to pray specifically that God would touch his breathing issues and heal him of that. And also, there's another family in the church, I won't call the name, but they are also getting over uh, this dreaded virus, so let's be in prayer for them today and all others that have been affected by that. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 23 through 26 is where I'm going to be reading today. This is a familiar story. As a matter of fact, it's a great story, and I've chosen to entitle this, Get Your Midnight Miracle. Anybody in need of a midnight miracle? You need God to show up and do something and you need him to do it now. You've come to the right place today because that's exactly what our word is going to be about today. I feel like the Lord wants us to to dive into this today. Let's go to verse 23 of chapter 16. And when they had laid many stripes on them, this is speaking of the apostle Paul, they threw them in the prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison He fastened their feet in the stock, so they've got chains on them. Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the very foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loose. Can you say amen to God's word today? Get your midnight miracle. When we begin reading this passage, it's one of the most, I guess, memorable stories in all of the Bible and the New Testament. It's just one that we talk about often, where Paul and Silas have been thrown in the prison. This is a fate that I think most people would dread. I don't know if we got any people that have been in prison in here this morning. I'm not judging you, but I've never been. I've watched some shows, and I'm going to tell you something. I've watched enough, and I know enough, and I've read enough to know I don't want to go. Now, there's some people that are like, well, that's free food, and I can do this, free TV, and I don't have to pay for cable and all that. Those people need a psych evaluation. They're crazy. Most people do not want to go to prison. It just doesn't make sense to want to do that. But here, the Apostle Paul finds himself there. Even his friends were not too far away in the house praying for Paul and Silas to be delivered because they were fearing that the worst was going to happen. But you've got to remember who we're dealing with here. This guy is the great Apostle Paul. This is a man who has seen miracles and he's experienced it all. A matter of fact, just a few notes was that this is the man who said that he had been beaten multiple times for preaching the gospel. He said that he had been shipwrecked. He had been bitten by a deadly viper or snake and he did not die and there's much more. And he gives a whole chapter on all the persecution and tribulation that he had been through. 
And after all of that, he still says in Philippians 4.11, this is such a great lesson for all of us. He said, for I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith just to be what? To be content, to be satisfied, to be happy. And yes, that even meant when he found himself in the middle of a prison, he says, I've learned to be content even here. So when the midnight hour rolled around for him, there wasn't fear and trepidation, which simply we could call it the intimidation of fear is what it would be, being intimidated by fear itself and its presence. Because the Bible said with these men of God that at midnight, even in a prison, they begin to praise God and to sing praises to God. There is a great earthquake. Suddenly all the doors are open for all the prisoners. All of their chains are unlocked. At 11.59, which is a time you're going to hear quite often in this sermon today. At 11.59, there is nothing really going on. At 11.59, the pain is real. At 11.59, the prison is real. At 11.59, the chains and the fetters that are binding them they are very real. At 11.59, the blood is running down their backs because they have been beaten until literally their skin is rolled back. The persecution is real. But at 12 o'clock, at midnight, it became a miracle. I'll call it a midnight miracle. It was God setting His people up for a time of favor. I need to tell somebody today that everything in your life can change literally in a moment's time with this great God that we serve. Can I tell somebody that one prayer service could change everything for you? Could I tell you today that one phone call, just one phone call, could change everything that you've been struggling with. Just one relationship, just one connection that God puts you with the right person, it could literally change everything for you. All God needs is a moment. And in a moment, God can do more in a moment than I can even do in a lifetime for you. That is why when I get ready to get up here and to present a word to you, that is why I kneel down every day in my office before I come out. And I say, Father, I need your anointing. You have to be the one to really get this thing across because I understand that I could preach for hours on end. But if you don't have a moment with God, oh my goodness, and I'm wasting breath, we're wasting time. But if God would just come on the scene today and if, if the anointing would just fill this place and if His presence would just be real to us and God would give you that moment everything could change in the middle of your 1159. See, understand with me today that there are many people in this building. As a matter of fact, I know it. I can see it. I can sense it. When I shake people's hands or give them the fist bump and I can look at their face after three and a half years of being here and and you start learning to read people. And you know when people are under tension. You can see it. You can sense it. You've been around them week after week. You begin to see that there's something going on. There is a struggle on the inside. You see their pain. You can almost sense it. You can feel it. It is what I'll call tension. Does anybody know what tension is? Tension, even though we may say tension... Uh, it could be a bad thing, but I want to show you at some point or another, we have all been through tension at some point or another. So when I go through this tension, it provides an open door for the enemy that he can come in and enter into my life 
And he can keep me in bondage. He can get me in the bondage of comparison, looking at what everybody else is going through. He can get me in the bondage of ingratitude, of being grateful and content like Paul said in whatever state I am and being thankful for what I have. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about believers today. But this tension isn't always bad. In fact, this tension can actually serve as a good thing in our life. It is the same kind of tension that produces the sound of what we call a violin. For us bluegrass musicians, guitar and banjo pickers, we call it the fiddle. That's what you call it in the, in the country, folks. It's the fiddle playing, not the violin. Violin's for classical music stuff. If y'all into that, no judgment, but whatever. If I want to hear that thing played, I want it to be in a fiddle form. That's the only way to do it. Make it screech. Make it talk to me. But I had a fiddle, and I played it a little bit. It's tuned just like a mandolin. I can play a mandolin, so everything's tuned the same. The only difference in the fiddle and the mandolin is you don't have any frets. So you literally have to learn where to put your fingers and how to slide your fingers to the appropriate spot. I messed with it a little bit, got that horse string and that bow and all this, and I just... It just wasn't my favorite instrument. I put it up, zipped it up. But there's one thing that I learned. I told my mama I need a new set of strings. I didn't understand. I had put strings on a bass, strings on guitars, strings on banjos, on all these other instruments. But, but, but when I got that fiddle, the fiddle's different. Because it was like when I put the tension on it, it just it would go right back. I put the tension on it. You've got to know what you're doing, folks. You've got to know. And the guy that had it right, he had like this little lock cap, and it would stop it. And he would allow that string to spread, and then he'd give it a little more. The tension was, 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 was really minute, and it was a slow process. It wasn't just winding it up. Because what I found out is that when I got the tension too tight on it, guess what happened to the string? It popped, scared me to death. I'm a 12-year-old kid that popped me in the face. If the tension is too much, it will break. But with the right amount of tension, in the hands of somebody that truly knows what they're doing. They can play some of the most amazing music when the tension is just right. And I need somebody to understand that is, that is why fasting is so critical in our life. Because fasting bridges the gap of where you are and where you are intended to be. See, what somebody needs to understand today with tension is that God is fine-tuning us. And so when tension comes in our life, all God is doing is He's fine-tuning us. And it, it gets a little hard sometimes, but He does it in little minute ways. He does it in little, little increments. And He gives us just a little. That's why God said there's never going to be more on you than you will be able to what? To bear or to handle. Because God is the master. He knows how to make a masterpiece. And He just gets that tension just right until in His hands. Here we are. We're singing beautifully. We're preaching beautifully we're playing beautiful music why because the master got us in his hand and he's just been fine-tuning us so don't ever get stressed out about tension in your life it's God getting you where you need to be I'm not gonna charge you for that side note the clock reads 1159 something is coming I believe that we are living in the last days I'm convinced of that I can look around I can see it something is coming Something's coming for your life right now. The devil's coming for your life. The devil's coming for your family. The devil's after your children. Come on, somebody. He's after your children. He's attacking them in every way he can. He'll get to them through school, through teachers. 
He'll get through them through ungodliness. He'll get through them through social media. He'll get to them through TV ads. He'll get through them any way that he can get to them. See, understand with me today. Maybe there's somebody in here that says, man, my son or daughter, they ran away from God. Maybe there's somebody in here that says, I got children that are strung out on drugs or addicted to things. Or, or maybe there's somebody in here that in your business, some situation came up and things aren't going quite right. Or maybe where you work at, there's things going bad. The enemy wants you to give up today. He wants you to stop when the clock reads 11.59. The story of Paul and Silas will be a lot different if we don't have the part of the passage that says at midnight they begin to praise, sing songs, rejoice. Do you know what we have? We may have another James that Herod beheaded. He was the leader of the church. That's what they do. Maybe that's what would have happened in this story. It's all about how you respond to your 1159 as to whether or not you can have a midnight miracle. That's up to you. It's in your hands. It's how you respond. How you react to what's going on in your life. See, so the enemy wants us to give up. Yet, if we can just make it through, we will experience this earthquake, the Bible said, of God's sudden blessings and favor on our life. He has set Time is coming on you. You are on what I say all the time, on God's calendar. You know, I've got an iPhone and I've got an assistant. Her name is Siri. Anybody else got a Siri? I wish they'd let me rename her, but they won't. You can tell her what language you wanted to talk in and all that kind of stuff or the accents and written or Australian, English. I switch it up every now and then just to have something different. But oftentimes I find myself and I'll say, hey, Siri. She'll say, mm-hmm. I'll say, I got, I got to make a phone call tomorrow to, to Dylan Baldwin. It's got to happen at 11 a.m. All right, it's in your calendar. And so when 11 o'clock rolls around, do you know what happens on my phone? Now, when you set a reminder, let me tell you something. It will aggravate the mess out of you until you respond, done. Mark as completed. Because if you don't, it keeps on coming up. You need to make that phone call. You need to make that. Sometimes I get irritated with it and I click it and say, let's do it tomorrow. That's the only way you can shut her up. Just put it off till tomorrow. It's an eye calendar. I tell her what I'm supposed to do when I'm supposed to do it. What I am doing is I am putting somebody on my calendar so that I will respond at that given moment. And I'm telling somebody today that is at 11.59, do not give up yet because of the external circumstances. Because God Almighty, the creator of the universe, has put you on His calendar. And at the, the right time, at the acceptable time of favor... He's going to respond. That ought to encourage somebody in this house today. In Acts chapter 6, 6 through 10, Paul tried to go to Asia twice. I'm not going to read it for time's sake. I've got a lot to cover. However, the Holy Spirit did not want him to preach the gospel there. He said, now's not the time to go. He tries twice to go in that specific direction. It would not happen. Somebody needs to know that sometimes a closed door is just as much a blessing as an open door. That'll tweet. We want the open door. We thank God for the open doors. We do not like the closed doors. Because that's when God blocks what we want and says no. 
But I'm telling you there are times in my life that God has closed the door and I'm sitting here right now and I'm praising God because I know in my mind some of them I can think of them right now and I'm thinking, God, praise your name, Jesus. I'm so glad you shut that door. Because if I'd have been there and not where I am now, I'd have really, really been in a bad position. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. You closed a door that I wanted open, but God said no. So understand that when God closes the door, don't curse the door. Don't try to get upset. Don't kick the door. What you need to understand is there is no need for you to feel down. Just trust God. Trust Him. That only when He opens the door is when you are going to walk through it. But when He closes the door and says, that is not my will right now. Every step that Paul has taken has guided him to this prison but you praise God even when things seem to go wrong so while Paul was waiting he gets a vision from God to go to Macedonia with Silas he goes to the elders the elders give him confirmation several of them say it's it's good we bless you as you go out you think he's received a, a vision from God he has received a word from God in the vision he has gotten more than two or three witnesses which the Bible said it, the word, mouth of two or three witnesses, every word to be established. I mean, they said, go. You, you think at this moment that everything is going to go right. You think with that much affirmation from God, from the elders, from a vision, you think that you can just expect blessings to fall right in your lap. But when Paul got to Macedonia, the man that he saw in his vision was not even there. They are standing in a strange place. They don't know anyone from Macedonia. The only hot spot that they could find was some ladies that were at the river having something that they did every Sunday morning. They met and had a prayer meeting. And so Paul and Silas said, ladies, I hope you don't mind, but we'd like to join you in prayer today. Well, it's a ladies' group, but I guess, all right, y'all don't know anybody. Come on and pray with us. It's not going to hurt. If they go to their prayer meeting, the Holy Ghost shows up. They have a revival. Now not only do they have an affirmation, but now they get excited because they've been to a Holy Ghost prayer meeting. My God, the empowerment has come because the empowerment is from the Holy Ghost Himself. They go and they pray. The Holy Spirit fills them to preach the Word they've got to preach. They're ready to do God's will. However, as soon as they stepped out of the prayer meeting, the enemy attacked them. As soon as they get out the prayer meeting, in the same chapter, the Bible said they walked into the street and there's this lady with our girl with the spirit of divination. Look at Acts 16, 18 real quick. Let me show you this. So there's this woman and this she did for many days. She's following behind them, trying to put incantations on them, trying to cast spells on them, But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Right the time the man of God came out of a good Holy Ghost fashion prayer meeting, the enemy started on his shoulder, on his back, day in and day out, trying to just, just cause him harm and cause him confusion and cause him doubt, to bring fear, trying to cast evil on him, cast bad thoughts on him, cast spells on him, until finally the man of God got sick of it and said, devil, it's time for you to come out. See, I think sometimes we let the devil just continuously buffet us. We let the devil day in and day out speak defeat in our ear. Maybe it's time for us to go to a good fashion prayer meeting, get full of the Holy Ghost again, and tell the devil where he can go and tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. You're a liar. 
But in 1159, it's really, really hard to do. They get mad because this woman is a fortune teller. That's how they're making money. So they beat Paul and Silas mercilessly, have them thrown into a prison. It's 1159, but at midnight, they sing their praises to God. Nothing's going right. Nothing's happening the way it was supposed to happen, the way they dreamed it would happen. They knew God said go, but the success that they had hoped for just isn't going to happen right now. They know they're in the will of God. They know they've heard from God, but it appeared that they went all in. And God was MIA. When they get there, it's like God's missing in action. Where is God? He sent us here, but this is a key principle that we need to understand. Right before your time of favor comes, there is always darkness. Sometimes the worst gross darkness you'll see at 1159. You will experience a time of nothing happening. You will experience a time of nothing changing. At least as far as you can see. Or as far as you can tell. But let me tell you what happens. In the spirit. When it's 1159. And your faithfulness. You've just been faithful. That's all you've tried to do. You are setting yourself up. For the midnight hour. And let me tell somebody. God's favorite time of day. Is midnight. It's getting kind of my favorite time of day. Because I'm asleep and don't care what's going on. Midnight is God's favorite time. For us, we think of a dark hour. But God does some of his greatest miracles in the darkest hours. A matter of fact, I think that's what God really enjoys because it's in those moments that God wants us to understand when it is getting, getting so dark that you can't see the next step. And when it is getting so bad that you don't know the next answer. God is wanting you to understand something today. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? He is wanting you to understand right here and right now today. That when you are at your darkest moment. You are moments away from your miracle. Everything can change. When God shows up. All of a sudden miracles happen. All of a sudden breakthroughs that you never dreamed of. Begin to happen. The grace of God kicks in. And the doors that maybe you tried to kick. And you could not kick open. In God's time of favor he swings the doors open you see read the bible we just read it whenever God came through at the midnight hour for Paul and Silas the bible said that the doors swung open not just the doors for Paul and Silas but the bible said that every door in the prison are you hearing what I'm telling you begin to swing open that means when God's favor comes on my life not only is he going to open doors for me there's people that come in contact with me that the favor of God's not just going to bless me it's going to bless them somebody ought to help me preach and then all of a sudden all the chains that have bound us all the chains that have held us all of a sudden God said it's time for those to go and at midnight singing praises the chains fall off of them not just them but everybody in the prison looks down their doors are open their chains are off can I tell somebody in this house today that is exactly what happens when we come to church and a good old fashioned move of God happens not only will my chains fall off but your chains will fall off for when Jesus comes in the house he didn't heal some of them the Bible said he healed all of them God's in the business of opening up all the prison doors 
at midnight. Woo! I heard somebody say, preach it. Amen, I will. God is shaping us through every setback that we face. It's a setup for this midnight miracle to happen. I got to hurry. The children of Israel are ready to leave Egypt. God's set time of favor hasn't come yet. It's been 400 years of bondage, but now all of a sudden God says it's time for it to happen. Do you know when God brought them out of Egypt? Anybody want to guess? At midnight. The death angel's going to pass and God activated the blood. Woo! I don't have time to go down that rabbit trail. Over the doorposts, the blood of, the, of this first lamb has been put over there. Lambs without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Just like Jesus Christ was. And all of a sudden, the blood activates. And the enemy wants to get into their house. The enemy at 1159 wants to destroy them. But guess what happened? At midnight, the devil had to pass on by because he saw the blood of Jesus. You don't understand the power inside of you that say you are children of God. You don't understand the power that you you really possess when the blood of Jesus has been applied over the doorpost of your heart because when Satan comes by at 1159 and says alright boy it's time for you to lose it's time for you to be destroyed it's time for me to crush your dreams you just hold on because the blood's going to be activated and you're going to plead that blood and you're going to claim that blood and the devil's got to flee because you're in the middle of a midnight miracle and there's nothing that him or all of hell can do about it At 1159, they're still slaves. They're still poor. They're still defeated. Psalm 102, 13, God said, You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time of her favor. Yes, the set time. God's calendar has come. At midnight, the power of God came on Samson in Judges 16. The Philistines controlled the city. They worship false gods such as Dagon. They build temples for them. But Samson's full of God's power. He goes to the city gate. Some say that each gate weighed 2,000 pounds each. And the Spirit of God came upon him. Guess what time it was? It was midnight. And he grabbed those things and said, The enemy is not going to win anymore. I'm going to rip these doors down. And he ripped the gates of hell itself off, put them on his shoulder. He walked up to the top of the mountain and he made a declaration. He said, I'm going to take this city for God. The enemy's not going to have I would to God that there were some Christians today that would let God give us a midnight miracle, get us to a place that we tear off the gates of hell. We walk to the top of the mountain and look over our city and say, the devil cannot have it. We're taking this city for Jesus Christ. We're not going to let any more kids kids die of a drug overdose. We're not going to let a family fall apart because daddy can't let go of an alcohol bottle bottle in the name of Jesus. We're going after our city. We're going to claim it. It's time for us to take the city. At midnight, that's exactly what he did. Midnight, you remember the story of Ruth. It's a strange story. It's the way they did things back then. At midnight, she sneaks in to her kinsman redeemer, Boaz. And she lays at his feet until the morning. She's poor. She's destitute. Lost her husband. You know. But guess what? There was a midnight miracle that took place. And the kinsman redeemer redeemed her. My God Almighty. I believe it's the midnight hour in the church right now. I would say it's 1159. 
Some of us have been grieving. Some of us have been struggling. We've been living off the leftovers, I feel like, sometime instead of the good food that God has for His church. We've lived off of yesterday's scraps that have been thrown, should be thrown to the dogs. And we, we should have we moved on. We should have went because there's a feast that is set before us and the Master is saying to us, come and dine. Come and dine. I got something fresh. Why in the world are you eating moldy bread when in my house there's enough bread to spare and it's fresh every single Sunday when you get here, the bread's been made. I'm telling, oh my God, somebody ought to help me today. Listen, I'm telling somebody, I'm telling you, the midnight hour in the church, some people become dependent on, on politicians or government to help them. And there's times that we get down and there's times that we go through famine. And yes, there are times that we even need assistance in some of our lives. But I'm here to tell somebody that much like the children of Israel, you need to quit crying to the wrong sources. You need to lift your voice to God in your 1159 hour. And I came to declare to somebody that's already doing that right now. I want you to understand that God has heard your cry. Midnight is about to happen in your life. I'm going to leave you with this thought. i got to close. In the world that we live in, has anybody ever heard the term equality? Anybody ever heard that lately? about equality. I was reading something the other day where God said equality does not exist in the kingdom of God. I thought, huh. I thought everything was level at the foot of the cross, right? But then I understood what he was saying as he began to explain the simple fact that he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Nobody else can do the job that you've been called in the kingdom of God, there's not equality in the sense that God's going to use me the same way He uses you. That is why God warned us, don't compare yourself to another man's ministry. Don't compare yourself to another church member and what they do. Let God call you to do what you're supposed to do and just do it faithfully. And God will bless you in that. Understand with me. This is what Jesus upsets Jesus. When we start saying things like this, why do I have to go this way? But you don't make them go this way. It breaks his heart. You don't know what's going on behind God's curtain. What's going on behind the stage. You're not qualified to make statements like God should treat me like he treats them. Because he is treating that one good and you think that he's not treating you so good. I'm going to tell somebody today that God is good all the time. In your pain, God is good. In your suffering, God is good. When you're going through hell and high water, God is good. Like Paul and Silas, even when you find yourself in prison, God is good. Because what Paul understands that sometimes we can't grasp is that 1159, God had a specific plan for his life. And Paul had learned to be grateful that God's plan was even in operation in his life. He was grateful that God had even chosen him to be the one that would go to the Gentiles, a.k.a. us, and preach to us this gospel's not just for the Jew. It's for the Gentile and for the Greek. You too can be saved. There's a branch that God's grafting in. His mercy extends to you. So he's just grateful 
that he's here. Sure, being in God's place of position that he's put you in, it may require loneliness. There may even be times that we cry a little bit. Yes, we may have suffering. Yes, there may be clouds and there may be rain and there may be storms. We may feel as if we should say, God, I don't know if I can go another day. But if you'll be faithful and stay, even though I don't understand you, I'm going to trust you. I believe you're going to work a miracle in my life. I'm telling you, it is at that moment that God moves. It is what keeps me alive. It is what keeps me doing what I'm doing. Because I'm doing what I do because God has a plan for my life. And that is the reason you should do what you do every day. Because God has a plan for your life. Yes, your job may not be your favorite. But what if God put you there for such a time as this? And His plan for your life is to be there because you are going to change somebody's life by a word that you say. Don't ever question why God has you where he has you or why God did it for him and God didn't do it for me. There's no equality in God's kingdom in that way. God uses us for specific things just like he uses Paul. See, I want to show you something that happens. Some of you are just hanging on. And and in the words of an old song, it feels like you're free falling. Anybody ever heard that? You feel like you're free falling. And you don't know what's going to happen. You feel like you're going to fall flat on your face. But I need to let somebody know today that you're not going to fall on your face. You are not falling into disaster. Instead, you are falling into a miracle. You may think you're falling into disaster. You may think at 1159 the devil's won. And you're just going to fall flat on your face and lose. But I came to tell somebody, enjoy the fall. Because the grace of God is underneath you. And you are going to fall into a midnight miracle. And you don't even realize it this morning oh god help us go to the piano please susan i'm closing it is at midnight paul's preaching a sermon there's this guy in the window paul preached a lot longer than i do all right so when i go 35 40 minutes i don't feel so bad he preached all night and even the apostle paul This makes me feel good too. Even the Apostle Paul had people fall asleep on him. But God got him good. He fell out a window. Used to we had the Baptist deacons that would hit you over the head when you fell asleep. With that long rod. We don't have anything set up like this here. We need to get on it, guys. Get on it. Get on it fast. (laughs) And the Apostle Paul's preached. There's this guy who's falling out a window. He appears dead. You can't fall from that height and not be dead. But Paul wrapped his arms around him at midnight. And he said these words. He said his life is still in him. Now, that didn't excite some of y'all. But because of what I know I'm going to say next, I'm excited. His life is still in him. There's some of you at 1159 hour right now. And you think your dream has died. But I need to tell you, your dream is still alive. I need to tell somebody today that you may feel like your call is dead. But I want to tell you, there's life in you yet. God's not finished with you yet. Your call is still alive. I don't care how long you've fallen into disaster. You feel like 
You're not falling into disaster or judgment. You're falling into this wonderful miracle that God has for you. I'm going to leave you with this. So at midnight, a midnight cry went forth. The virgins, there's ten of them, as you may recall. They are outside in the streets. They have trimmed five, have trimmed their lamps. They're called the wise virgins. The foolish virgins have not prepared. But there's something at 11.59 that's taking place. Oh, God. Now, some people believe that this scripture can be used as the rapture of the church because of the message that comes out. For in Matthew 25, 6, there's this guy, oh my God, that has heard, has heard the midnight cry. And he is running before the bride. And at midnight, a cry was heard. And he said, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. That is the message that God is speaking to the church at 1159. And it's good news for us in the middle of a world that every time we turn on the news, we're sick of it. When you get in that place, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. When all you ever hear about is negativity, don't worry about it. Look up your redemption draweth nigh. All that's about to happen is I believe there's somebody running in front of the coming of the Lord. And that could be me today that is saying, get ready church. Behold the bridegroom cometh. He's coming after the bride. He's coming after the church. Don't give up at 1159. I don't care how bad it gets. It's going to be worth it when he comes at the midnight hour and he's oh my god I wish somebody I'm going to leave you I'm going to leave you so in reality I want to believe today that the cry that God gives the church at 1159 right before midnight is a cry of revival I believe that God has given us a cry he is going to send the spirit of revival to us That the church that many people thought was dead because of what she's been through. The church that many people thought were battered at 1159. Many that said that the church was powerless. But I believe that God is doing something special. And God is sending a spirit of revival to a church that many people thought was dead. There is still life in her just like there was in the man that fell out the window with Paul. There is still life in the church. I believe the church is going to repent. I believe the church is going to get right with God. I believe that the church is going to cry out to God for a move of the Holy Spirit like we've never seen before. Because you cannot deny that we are on the brink of the midnight hour. It's almost here. Look around you. In the words of a song called Midnight Cry, he said, I can almost hear the trumpet as Gabriel sounds the call. There is a change in the atmosphere. It's 11.59, but your midnight hour is on the way, church. Let us not be apostate. Let us not be complacent. Let us not get comfortable. Let us not settle for mediocrity. For at midnight, Jesus, the bridegroom, is coming for us. And it's going to be a midnight miracle like we've never known before. Hold on a little bit longer. All right, I'm going to read this, and we're going to close. Watch this. We're about to have baptism. I'm going to show you all something. This story kind of went along good with this. 
Acts chapter 16, verse 27. Are you ready? So let's figure out the rest of the story. Chains have fallen off. Midnight miracles are happening. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison door open. That was his job. That, I mean, it's like, you got one job, dude. He fell at it. And, oh, you ain't no good. Supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword. And he's about to kill himself because he knew that's exactly what was going to happen to him. But Paul called with a loud voice in verse 28. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Verse 30. So he brought them out and said, Woo! You see what midnight miracles do? They don't only bless Paul, and they don't only bless Silas, and they don't only bless the other prisoners, but even the enemies get saved. Woo, y'all just ain't feeling it today like I am. I'm going to tell you something. If we do this next time for the baptism, they're just going to have to suffer. Keep the water cold because I'm about to die here. Make a note. I can't talk to Siri right now. I'm preaching to a church, all right? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said to him, verse 31, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. And you will be saved. And not only you. This revival didn't just come to, uh, to loose your chains. I want you to take me to your family. And I'm going to preach to them. And they're going to get saved too. Verse 32. Ooh, God, give us a midnight revival. Hmm. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Verse 33. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes. They're still bleeding. They're still battered. But they're still preaching. My God, you can't stop a good man or woman of God. And immediately, he and all his family were what? Woo, I love it. So guess what we're fixing to do? We're fixing to baptize some folks up in here. Praise God. How many of you today receive your midnight miracle? Will you receive it in Jesus' name? Will you not allow the enemy to talk down to you anymore? Will you believe that there's a midnight miracle on the way? That's what I want you to believe today. Now what's going to happen here? We're going to do things just a little different. It's only 11.47. We're doing pretty good. I preached about five minutes too long per scheduling, which I don't care about anymore. But if you are going to get baptized, all right, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and prepare for that. Uh, there's bathrooms down here. There's uh, also some choir rooms and different rooms you can use to change in if you'd like to and then what you're going to do, you're going to come back in the church get at that door right there and we're going to come through that door, I'm going to baptize you right there, you can come out that door and go and get changed again, alright everybody got it, so if you're getting baptized go ahead and stand up for me, let me see how many I got here, alright there goes one, two, three four, five six, seven, alright alright I got about seven or so, alright guys Get the moving. Go for it. Go get ready. Pastor Brian's taking over from here. We'll see you in a few. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be
there's a verse I wanted to read as we begin this. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how fitting. Regardless of what's going on in our lives, regardless of what time we have, it's always good to praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. stop and start over. I'm sorry. I messed her up because we didn't have the right page out. Let's start over on this forever song. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. Amen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. Love endures forever. And for his good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. We sing praise. Strong. Forever God is with us, forever, forever. And from the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever. And by the grace of God, we will carry on. His love endures forever. Forever. 
repented of her sins. She's now got the blood of Christ on her life. And so, Father, she's taken this next step as she is baptized. We thank you for her boldness to take this step today, even at a young age, Father. We baptize her in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. another one in the near future 
And uh, Pastor Brian, I'm going to turn it right over to you. God bless you all. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise today? Man, be dismissed. That's how easy it is. Thank you, Pastor. Don't forget this uh, activities this week, Wednesday night. Uh, amen.